For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. What's up, everybody? Cena here. Have you been dying to see us live? Then get pumped. Because The Last Podcast Network is doing a country jamboree at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville on June 18th. We'll have all your favorite LPN family out and performing live, including Last Podcast on the left, Page 7, Wizard and the Bruiser, No Dogs in Space, Brighter Side, Justin and I, of course, on Fraudsters, Someplace underneath, the story must be told, and more. Tickets are available now. And again, that's the Ryman Auditorium, June 18th in Nashville, Tennessee, for the last Podcast Network Country Jamboree. Let's go. shared your thoughts on fellow activist Sean King, specifically his honesty and business practices. What made you decide that now was the time to speak about integrity and transparency in activism and fundraising specifically? You know, there is like this code of silence inside of the movement space that, you know, we just don't talk about things that we see go wrong. And I was on the Board of Justice Together, which was an organization that he started uh, a while ago. And I was one of the people that was like, I'm not going to be a part of this because I don't understand what's happening with the money. And that was actually one of my core experiences. So I wrote that piece. Uh, people read it. Uh, his response was 75% to raise a really bad person. People hate him. In the bottom, he responded to some of the content. I just haven't replied in writing. So I go, I was on the Board of Justice together. I can't find the taxes. I'm not even saying you didn't file taxes, but I just don't see the taxes filed for mm-hmm. the organization. He replies, hidden in the very bottom, he goes, you know what? I didn't file taxes because I returned the money. And you're like, nah, I'm not a tax expert, but that's not how taxes work. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. I feel like you have to, you have to report what you got anyway. Welcome to Fraudsters. I'm Cena Gazdevi at Cena Now on all social media. Justin Williams is here with us in the virtual studio at Justin underscore Williams underscore comedy on Instagram. Send him an email. He will, of course, visit you at your home. So, you know, last season we we did Dr. Umar Johnson and I remember telling Justin, Justin, I don't know. This guy hasn't been to prison for fraud. He's not really up on any charges or anything like that. I don't know. Can we can we really do him? Justin was like, that's exactly what he wants you to think. That's exactly why we need to do this episode. And then when this next person came up, I thought, mm, for a brief moment, I was like, maybe is this the same kind of feeling I'm having? Nay, nay, I said. 
because I saw the 30-plus pages of research on race hustler Sean King. Justin, are you excited about doing Sean King today? I'm very excited. Like, just because there's, like, there's kind of a huge gap when it comes to perceptions of Sean King to, like, liberal white people, like, on the internet. He's like Martin Luther King or something. They're always just, like, <laughs> reposting his, like, tweets. Constant. And to all black people, he is the biggest joke in the world slash, like, generates a lot of anger. Today we're talking about Sean King, who is a self-proclaimed controversial Twitter activist and a New York Times best-selling author. King has been fundraising for various causes under various organizations since 2008 and speaks with authority on issues of social justice like police brutality. Police brutality. Let's talk about that. It's real. Yeah. Well, you know, some people still don't believe it's real. And I think in some ways, in part because of social media and how people even digest their news, we can have alternate Americas where... Some, some of us live in one stream where we hear the stories, we see them, or we've even experienced it ourselves. And so police brutality for some of us is not a new story, but is a, a real present reality. But there are other sectors of America where people are still debating over whether or not it even happens. So listen, we all remember Mike Brown, the unarmed 18-year-old black teen who was shot and killed by a white police officer in Ferguson, Missouri. In the social media, you know, firestorm that followed, Sean King was able to do some good. King took to Twitter, posting himself micro-analyzing the crime scene evidence on his platform. He particularly focused on the fact that the St. Louis County Police Chief, John Belmar, claimed that Brown was 35 feet away from Wilson's vehicle at the time of death potentially posing a threat to the officer. King assessed that Mike Brown was actually 148 feet away from Darren Wilson's vehicle, making the threat much less plausible. Also, 35 feet is actually a tremendous amount of distance in and of itself. In and of itself is 35 feet is not, you know, it is a a ways. I mean, that's a first down. Yeah. King also based his analysis on a Google Maps view on Canfield Drive, where Brown died, as well as measurements taken by his contacts in Ferguson. His findings were actually eventually echoed in a 2015 Department of Justice report. Okay. King rose to prominence through social media, first on Facebook, then on Twitter and Instagram, as well as his own outlets as an advocate for social change and fundraising. He was able to become a full-blown influencer alongside the growing Black Lives Matter movement. He claims to have raised more than <laughs> $34 million for various families, causes, charities, and campaigns since 2014. <clears throat> Let me just get ready to say this. Receipts, please, sir. Receipts. <laughs> You're going to hear me say that a lot here. What you heard at the top of the show was D. Ray McKesson, an educator, author, and activist, and co-founder of Campaign Zero, a nonprofit that analyzes countrywide police practices, researches solutions, and provides assistance to organizers. He also has a podcast on crooked media called Pod Save the People. It's about race, justice, and inequity. But back in 2015, McKesson was a board member of one of Sean King's social justice initiatives. Justice together, one word. Or at least 
He was a board member until he started asking King for <clears throat> receipts. You're going to hear me say that again a lot, folks. He asked questions about where the money that was being fundraised for, where was it going? Where was it going for the organization? Can you believe the nerve of this man, this vested activist? How dare you? This led to a public falling out between the two activists and to McKesson publishing a long and incendiary medium post entitled simply, quote, On Sean King. In that post, he criticized King's lack of transparency and said this, It is important to note that Sean's journalism has done some good by bringing attention to stories that may have gone underreported or overlooked. But the person who paints your house before he steals your car has still committed theft. Emphasis added by me, of course. Justin, do you remember that post? I do. Yeah, I remember. I remember like uh, reading it and hearing a lot of the questions. Yeah, and I remember the uh, Sean King's response didn't inspire confidence. (laughs) Yeah. Would your response is basically a bunch of ad hominem attacks on the person and not clearly, hey, here are the receipts? Yeah. That's usually a sign. And that, again, folks, it's not because we host a show called Fraudsters, but the behavior here tracks with other fraudsters, right? Getting really defensive, being like, who do you think you are? You're a terrible person. I'm doing all this good in the world. But listen, if Sean has done some good, I mean, sure, he's done some good. This is how things start in the middle here. But, Justin, why are we covering Sean King on Fraudsters? Why are we Why are we putting him in the Race Hustler series? Because it's a form of affinity fraud, right? Uh, regardless of Sean's racial identity, if you're saying I'm an advocate for African-American people and being part of the civil rights, uh, you know, sort of cause, and you're raising all kinds of money that goes unaccounted for, that's that's fraud. And Justin, you are absolutely right. We're going to break down affinity fraud again for folks that missed it last season. But today we are going to continue our race hustler series with a deep dive into Sean King, otherwise known as Ulysses P. Newton. A- A.K.A. Martin Luther Cream. A.K.A. W.E.B. Defraud. (laughs) A.K.A. Talcum X. (laughs) Or as we call him, Dr. Umar for liberal white moms on Twitter. That's right. We're going to explore Sean King as a prime example, as Justin said, of affinity fraud. So, most notably, we did Dr. Umar and David Duke last year's examples of affinity fraud. But for Sean King, unfortunately, he's in the same space. And affinity fraud is when you target members of an identifiable group based on things such as race, religion, etc., right? And this person, Sean King in this example, uses their status as a member of that group to enrich themselves. And it seems as though King has been using black trauma to do so for a decade without much consequence until around 2015 when activists like DeRay McKesson and Samaria Rice really started sounding the alarm. We'll come back to this a little bit later. But first, I really need to understand Sean King a little bit more. King was born on September 17th, 1979 in Franklin County, Kentucky to Naomi K. Fleming King and Jeffrey Wayne King. Jeffrey was out of the picture by the time King was in second grade. And King grew up with his mother and brothers, Russ and Jason King, in Versailles, Kentucky. Jason, you ever been to Versailles, Kentucky? No, no. Uh, I've only been to Louisville. 
That's a good place. Is that the Versailles of East Kentucky? <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's I think where Sean King is from is much closer to Lexington. I've never been to Lexington. Yeah. Well, part of his origin story that he frequently references is that he claims he was a victim of a hate crime in his high school. In his blog post on the liberal site The Daily Cost, King wrote, quote, A racist mob of a dozen students beat me severely, first punching me from all sides. Then when I cradled into a fetal position on the ground, they stopped me mercilessly. Some with steel-toed boots for about 20 seconds. He goes on to note that the attack fractured bones in his face, his ribs, and his spine. You know, he claimed that he had three spinal surgeries as well and missed over 20 months of school. Now listen, I'm, I'm not one to deny someone's trauma, and we're not here to tell you if this was real or not. But, as I always like to do, let's view this in the light most favorable to the person that we're talking about. Let's just assume it was true. We've seen on this show that childhood trauma can change the way people approach life and the moral justifications that they are willing to make in light of their history. Even if we believe everything in his story, we still don't have receipts for any of the stuff he did after. None of the receipts for the financial fundraising, for the taxes, that we don't have receipts. Yeah, that's right. Remember all the people that, uh, you know, that we profiled that did experience very real childhood trauma, yeah. like, you know, your Jim Bakers, uh, you know, Barry Menkow's relationship with his father, things like that. In spite of that long absence, King graduated high school and attended the HBCU Morehouse College as an Oprah Winfrey scholar. Side note, it wouldn't be the first time Oprah's catapulted a fraudster. She's also responsible for uh, 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 Dr. Oz. Yeah, and Dr. Phil, too. There's nothing ambiguous in the letter 10 doctors wrote about Dr. Mehmet Oz to the dean of Columbia University's medical school. We are surprised and dismayed that Columbia University's College of Physicians and Surgeons would permit Dr. Mehmet Oz to occupy a faculty appointment. He has repeatedly shown disdain for science and for evidence-based medicine. He has manifested an egregious lack of integrity by promoting quack treatments and cures in the interest of personal financial... Yeah, Dr. Oz is also running for a Senate seat now. In Pennsylvania, yeah. I really would... I mean, if I didn't care much about voter fraud. Anyway, King does well at Morehouse College. He's elected president of the Student Government Association. He meets and marries his wife, Ray Tanisha Devon Adams. She goes by Ray King now. Who would go on to have five children. They would have five, let me just say that again, five, five children. That's too many children, man. That's too many. That's a cell phone plan. He's got a fave five. That's unbelievable. That is too many. That is an entire, that is, you gotta, oh, I, I can't handle that. I got, we got, Justin and I have one child each. And I don't know about you, Justin, but that is a lot. Multiply yeah. that by five? Are you kidding? I had to get a new car for my family. I had to get a stretch Miata <laughs> <laughs> to fit my family in it. At Morehouse, he also made lifelong friends like S. Lee Merritt, a future American civil rights lawyer and activist. The two would later go on to work together on various charities, organizations, and social media activism. Folks... Remember his name, S. Lee Merritt. After graduating, he was a research assistant for a history professor, taught high school civics, worked in the juvenile justice system, and then became a pastor. Look at that. All nice things, right, Justin? Those are all good, good, 
good things. So he has a background in actually morality and knowing like <laughs> transparency for organizations and why that's important in democratic institutions. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. You know, he even founded his own church in Atlanta called Courageous Church. We're going to get into more of that later. This is when he really kicks off his fundraising habit. Ironically, the mission statement of the church was, quote, love God, love people, and prove it. Oh, ironic. Mm. According to BuzzFeed News, the church was founded under financial duress, and King used a church planting organization called ARC to fund the creation of the church. So this is why I want to bring this up, because this is interesting, because it speaks to how he managed his fundraising operations, and that's super important here. ARC is one of those places that just helps you launch as a church. But it's not like if you're an artist, maybe you've heard of Fractured Atlas, which is an actual back office if you're creating a 501c3 organization for your arts program, right? That's the whole thing here. That's the toughest part about creating a church or creating a nonprofit of some kind is the 501c3 status. What ARC doesn't provide is the back office for you to become a 501c3. From the site, I saw that they had sources and resources and tutorials and all these other things to help you maybe get there, but they don't do it for you. They are just going to help you launch your church. And to invest, King had to actually put 10% of Courageous Church's tithes and offerings to ARC until ARC could build another church. That's how they keep their business going. After the requirement was met, King would have to continue to invest 2% of the church's budget back into ARC. Listen, no free lunches for Jesus here. <laughs> that same year, King said he organized 10,000 volunteers for flood relief in Atlanta, with one report claiming he raised a million dollars. Again, sir, where are your receipts? After the break, we're going to break down some of King's early fundraising efforts. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard, so is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. 
Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Hey, welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Eddie Velez, your host. Today we're talking to Sean King. He's the lead pastor Straight of a unique talk. church in Atlanta called Courageous Church. And A Home in Haiti. Is that the title of a novel, a new series? <laughs> Tell us about that. Sean King, yeah, good to, good see to you, have man. you on the show. A Home in Haiti. Yeah. What is it all about? Well, A Home in Haiti is a, a web project, a social networking project that we started uh, there's a website we have, ahomeinhaiti.org, where we're trying to empower churches, businesses, mm -hmm. and random individuals to provide a home to a family that needs it in Haiti. And it's doable. It's achievable. There's a tendency when we look at the devastation in Haiti to see it as so big and so overwhelming that we look at it and decide we can't do anything to help. Right. Well, we're trying to empower people to just provide one family, one child, one mother with children, uh, one uh, senior citizen with a temporary home, and then eventually that temporary home will become a stable, strong home in Haiti. These people are hurting unlike anything we've ever seen before, and they have no shelter. And a homeinhaiti.org is designed to empower people to be the solution. In that clip, you heard Sean King talking about a homeinhaiti.org, which was actually a subsidiary of the non-501c3 Courageous Church that claimed to be raising money for tents, housing, and an orphanage in Haiti in the aftermath of a devastating earthquake in Haiti in 2010. Look, now that he has the infrastructure, or at least the supposed infrastructure set up, he's supposed to be able to be a nonprofit. And he should be able to put another project under that church because you could provide receipts if you're a 501c3 organization. <laughs> he didn't, though. By the way, so many frauds surrounding Relief for Haiti. Wyclef's organization, Yele Haiti, most notably, when we did get the receipts for that, we found out a ton of the money went to pay himself to play concerts in like London and stuff like that. So the mechanism that King used was a social media platform called TwitChange, a seemingly defunct now social media site that he was using to campaign for social good. This platform would use Twitter as an incentive for people to donate to various social justice movements. King used <laughs> the always honest eBay to sell the various celebrity packages on TwitChange. <laughs> Man, there isn't an honest buyer or seller on eBay. You ever try to sell something on eBay? 
Man, I just, I literally almost sent something to Lagos, Nigeria. And then the UPS guy had to stop me. He was like, do you know where you're sending this to? I was like, they, they sent me a PayPal. And then like, I looked at the PayPal. I was like, that's just a, it's, it's fake. It's fake. So thank you to the UPS man. <laughs> so an example of a package he was offering on eBay was, uh, quote, Ryan Seacrest would follow you on Twitter for a minimum of 90 days, retweet one of your tweets, and will send out a tweet, including your at Twitter handle. So if you needed <laughs> Ryan Seacrest to stalk you for 90 days <laughs> and to get a bunch of trolls to follow you, I guess that's good. I guess Eva Longoria, she acted as a spokesperson for the campaign. Love Eva. It'd be funny if like uh, Ryan Seacrest didn't pick which tweet he was going to retweet. Like you're just like the black man is God and he will kill all whites. And like Ryan Seacrest <laughs> retweets it. <laughs> it was reported. <laughs> it was reported that Twit Change raised over a million dollars in support of a home in Haiti, according to a 2013 Forbes highlight of King. Okay. Some of the reported intake estimates stretched to $2 million. King claimed that in the first 24 hours alone, they raised over $100,000. Here's some more from the Forbes article. TwitChange.com attracted more than 30 million views in a couple weeks. In addition, many celebrities themselves enthusiastically promoted the cause, encouraging their followers to bid on them and competing with other celebrities for the highest bid. The good-natured one-upping even took a humorous turn at times. Oh, I can't wait. Actor Nathan Fillion of the TV series Castle, and better known from Firefly, by the way, tweeted that he would throw in a phone call to his top bidder and that he would do it, quote, shirtless. Actor Joel McHale from Community replied to Fillion's tweet saying he would go even further, pantless. Then British actor Simon Pegg from Shaun of the Dead tweeted, at Nathan Fillion, we'll go topless, at Joel McHale, we'll go pantless. I will phone you wearing a single sock if you win my Hashtag twit change auction. Guys, I mean, I love all three of these people, but these are celebrities. You guys are just easy marks. I mean, I guess this is what King is really good at marketing. He knows how to go viral, which has certainly served his chosen social justice causes at times. What he, he is just, he's really good at going viral. Yeah, he's got that's real star power that he's got retweeting that. You can't argue with that. But you know what he's not good at, though? Mm, transparency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bookkeeping. In fact, he almost disparages it. You got a clip here. Days go on. And as the clock continues to tick, uh, the desensitivity to the trauma in Haiti uh, continues to go on. Yeah. I mean, you've got national organizations involved in all of that. Is there bureaucracy that's stopping the money from actually funneling in the Haiti, what are you seeing? Why do you think you at such a small level need to be involved in such a great way? Well, bureaucracy and red tape reigns supreme in Haiti right now, and it's choking the aid, the money that we gave when we texted and gave right. $10 sure. or we gave at the telethon. Right. As of today, over 65% of the money that was given, over $365 million is in banks and is not being spent on aid. 
I'm okay that all of it hasn't been spent because it's a long-term problem, but people have urgent, immediate problems right now, and that aid is choked in bureaucracy and red tape, literally food spoils at the Port-au-Prince airport. Right. And the biggest crisis is now is that people don't have shelter from the rain. Right. In Haiti, it rains 55 inches a year. It's a tropical island. Sure. And when it rains, it, it can rain for days on end. But aren't the, aren't the national relief organizations bringing tent cities and things like that down there? It, it, they really shouldn't be called tent cities. They're more like sheet cities. And people are basically getting bed sheets from the rubble and propping them up with sticks. And we have teams on the ground now that see this. If there are a million homeless people, there are probably less than 100,000 real tents. Oh, wow. And so people are living under, and they, and they call them tarps, but they're not tarps. They're sheets of plastic or bed sheets that don't even resist the rain, wow. propped up by twigs or sticks. And when it rains, uh, the ground becomes muddy, there are landslides, and then it creates waste and spoilage because we've given, with our money, big bags of rice, right. then the rain gets on and spoils right. it. Enough of the straight talk. Enough of the straight talk. People need I've, I've, shelter I've had from enough the rain. straight talk. Okay, My, you know what a fucking problem with this is? It's like he just keeps talking about how being a shitty manager and actually a mismanaged nonprofit or a fundraising apparatus is actually keeping him from just throwing. Hey, you know what I could do? I could roll into Haiti from a ship and have like a, a fucking money shooter and be shooting money in Haiti. Be like, why aren't they getting the money? There must be all this bureaucracy yeah. keeping the money from getting there. Come on now. I don't know. I mean, it's like you, you got to just start partnering with these organizations, all right? You know, maybe the Red Cross is fucked up, but at the same time, you could be partnering with Doctors Without Borders or some other organization. Yeah. It's up to you as the leader of an activist movement to vet these partners and find the best way to get results for people, not just the front end marketing of these things. Justin? Yeah, you can't just claim, oh, things are messed up as in a yeah. way to not do like basic accounting. It's like that's not that's not the way stuff works. And exactly. And despite claiming that donations would be tax exempt in that interview, the charity again wasn't registered as a 501c3. Okay? That's the nonprofit status that you need with the IRS. Conservative commentators of course were quick to point this out. And this is also where it gets fucked up, right? Because it means there isn't an oversight in the organization and you're giving ammunition to all the wrong people to discredit the presumably good work that you're doing. And King himself admits that it wasn't, in fact, a 501c3. And you know what? He didn't blame himself for it. King responds to the backlash by saying, quote, In February of 2010, I was the senior pastor of Courageous Church. In January, on the actual day the earthquake hit Haiti, our church was doing work and sending teams there right away. Wait, we provide on the wait on the day of the earthquake. You didn't take a while to process and send some emails. He works very quickly, Justin. He works very quickly. He's on top of it. How you could send a tweet out and you start you start a whole movement, right? <laughs> it's okay. He goes on to say, we provided computers, GPS devices, walkie talkies, food. Tents, tarps, and more. We paid for emergency aid workers to go there. We paid for doctors to go there. We sent our teams there. Who are these teams? And eventually, 
I traveled to Haiti over and over and over again to help. Of course, we did not have a 501c3 for our Haiti project three weeks after the earthquake. Our church, like many churches, rushed to make a difference. You know what the difference is, buddy? Churches become 501c3. Churches are fully allowed to have projects under their umbrella for many months while we waited for our 501c3 to be approved for a home in Haiti. Our church worked around the clock to provide aid in Haiti. And to be fair, he did raise a lot of money for the cause. A church mission group in Haiti reported that the actual amount raised was around half a million dollars. Again, a half a million more dollars than I raised for Haiti, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying anything here. A lot less than what has been reported, but still a, a significant amount. Justin? And it's also a problematic uh, argument, right? You can't use crisis as an excuse for non-documentation. In fact, that's actually the Clay Davis defense in The Wire. They go, why doesn't any of this drug money that was donated to your campaign show up? Uh, How do we know where it went? And he goes, my district was West Baltimore. And by the time I walked down Charles Street... I give everything out. My pockets are empty and everyone starts clapping. But it's like that's not a response to the question. Right. Just bringing up the conditions of Haiti and things like that. It's 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 a complete non response to like the, the core thing of transparency and like properly having oversight and properly uh, structuring your organization. She. So that was a home in Haiti. His next one in 2012 with the support of Oprah, uh, Oprah. Dear Oprah, King launches Hope Mob, a not-for-profit crowdfunding platform. However, money was provided to King by donors to cover the expenses on the site. This platform would later showcase multiple causes at once and allow users to vote. Okay. However, though, to vote on causes... Users, this gives me the fucking willies. Users had to generate points that could be made by signing up, donating, and sharing on social media. This helped generate revenue for the website. This is, that's like so gross. It's the most icky way to get people to do things, right? Oh, it's just the, it's, yeah, it's the absolute seeping of capitalism. Even if, even at its, best you could say it's like corporate creep into social justice yeah. in ways that's gross but uh at the worst too it's also using people to promote your scam i mean it's the, it's now a multi-level marketing scheme right leave feedback for your top 10 restaurants and you'll get points to yeah, donate yeah. to your favorite cause if you bring two friends you'll get three <laughs> yeah. points into the yeah it's almost like uh, if you bring 20 friends to this comedy show, a uh, Comedy Central booker will be there to, to book you on a special. <laughs> According to reporting on King from Goldie Taylor for the Daily Beast, quote, several people who launched campaigns on Hope Mob complained that payouts were delayed and that the company failed to respond to repeated inquiries. Losing money and under an onslaught of criticism from would-be beneficiaries, the digital platform was sold and later shuttered altogether. According to the only IRS filing the company made in 2013, the company took in $419,000 and paid out approximately $198,000 to 136 recipients. King's reimbursement for running the organization was approximately $160,000 
or 40% of the company's revenue. <laughs> Good night, everybody. That's the episode. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That I mean, <laughs> no. Jesus, 40% on social justice? 40% is absurd, but I want to make a very specific point here. I want all the activists, the, the Black Lives Matter activists, the, the Planned Parenthood activists, all the ones that I support. I want the people that are on the front lines. I want you making money. I want you to live a comfortable life. I want you to pay your bills, but I want you to tell us how much you are making. And yeah. I also don't want you to take 40% of the project. I want you to have a reasonable margin, a reasonable salary. Reasonable. Is it that fucking hard? I want you to be safe. I want you to be happy. I want you to subscribe to Netflix and not have to steal your parents' password, okay? I want these good things for you, and I appreciate the activism work you're doing. But when you take 40% of a fucking project, you're a fucking an asshole all right you're a thief you steal from the people it's not and yeah you're totally right this whole conservative thing of to be an activist you need to be eating cat food is stupid like you should make money off your book sales or whatever it is but when you take 40 percent of a cause that's just misrepresenting what you're doing you're you're enriching yourself we need more activists at fucking country clubs that's what we need but yeah. just tell us what country club you're a member at okay that's what i want to know yeah <sighs> i'm sweating now and again, this wouldn't be a problem. This wouldn't be an issue, buddy. If you didn't say that you don't make money off your activism, because you obviously do. The few receipts that we do have say that you made 40% off this project. 160K for tweeting, okay? Anytime I've raised money, I've always had two or three other full-time jobs myself. Mm-hmm. Almost every dollar I've ever raised goes directly to the families themselves. When I've raised money for organizations, I'm not even managing that money. Like, I have never, in the (laughs) five years of this movement, I've never even had access to a dollar that I've raised. (laughs) Why does does this dog you? No, I think I I know, and I have to push... I never made a dollar except for the 160K in 2013 alone. All right, his next one, this one, you know fired me up as well, because this one should be a red flag for folks. In 2013, King established himself as a pop culture and internet-savvy activist and had gained a following, although not quite to the degree that he would eventually. Enough, though, that he was able to market a course for $49.99. Oh, my God. He even picked the, the cartoonish parody number for scammy like four easy payments of forty nine ninety nine. Like this is like like come on. Even Kevin Trudeau would be proud of that. <laughs> Trudeau's like, see, see, took my line. So he did this through a, a company called a Life Goals University. I mean, people, come on. Where he said that he wanted to help people strategically plan their lives. Man, these courses, people, are fucking red flags. I just. I, I can't tell you how big and red you all should see. Like, just see giant red flags when someone says, pay me money and I'll teach you, okay? But if they really wanted to teach, they would do it for free or go to a school and do it or partner with an actual education platform that would do it, okay? There's plenty of actual online education sites that will create 
a trusted network where they'll vet the person and make sure they're not scamming you for $49.99. Justin, we have a little image up of the um of like the the course that you can purchase. Can you describe it for me here a little bit here? There's 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 a little quote from him at the top there. <laughs> this looks like the most bullshit ass bootleg Groupon <laughs> knockoff shit. It says, it says, I'm so proud of you. Like, like so, like, 10 O's and then proud of you is all, ca- it's not three exclamation. What? It's positive what? reinforcement, Dr. Umar. Because in the way Dr. Umar would be like, you Negroes can't give to the revolution, but you'll get sneakers. <laughs> you Negroes, well, you'll get sneakers, but you won't give to the revolution. And Sean King's like, you can do it. I'll help you. He's going to help you organize your life, but he can't put together a nonprofit like yeah, paperwork. There you go. How about yeah. you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Get some QuickBooks, buddy. Okay, so it's not just forty nine ninety nine. There's also pledges because, you know, to get organized, if you really, really want to get organized, if you pledge $350 or more, oh, my God, you'll get all of the above from the forty nine ninety nine course. And it says, and you will get all of the above awesomeness, books, T-shirts, sticker, Shout out in the book. And he says, literally, drum roll, please. I will provide you personal feedback and editing of your personal 100 life goals through email. People, by the way, don't have 100 life goals, okay? Three, five, maybe max 10. You don't need 100, okay? That was free. See that? Don't pay me anything. (laughs) Pledge $500 or more, and you will get all of the above amazingness. I can't... This English... This is the worst writing I've ever seen, yeah. including the email, editing, and advice. Plus, I will speak with you by phone or Skype in two 30-minute consultations to help you nail your 100 life goals and push through any challenges you may be experiencing. Let's do this, double exclamation point. I would pay the $500 just to yell at him. I do this, I do this with my students at the City College of New York. I go for $49.99, I'll teach the class. If you give me $350, I'll respond to email. <laughs> if you pledge $500, I will be at my office hours and I might even review the final exam for you. It's like, guys, this is not the way education is done. There aren't like tiers of education. Oh, so gross. By January of the following year, people who purchased the program began questioning why they never received anything from King regarding the course, huh? <laughs> and he posted, huh? <laughs> he delivered nothing when, when it really wasn't anything. He could have just, for $500, he could have just bullshitted them in a Zoom call and said, and said he helped him. He's even worse than other scamming motivational speakers. He's providing less than that. Yeah, at least, honestly, at least Kevin Trudeau's has crazy shit that he would send people. You know, yeah, like a, go do three colonics a month. I mean, that's like at least he's given some advice to people. Just Here like I a bag of crystal shells up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You see this? This is what Sean King has made us do. We're like, you know, Kevin Trudeau, not a bad guy. Yeah. Many posted on the host website, Kickstarter, saying things like, quote, when can we expect to receive our rewards? And any updates on the book? <laughs> <laughs> One purchaser wrote, Sean, it's April. We've not heard a thing from you since the 1st of January. I have repeatedly (laughs) asked for my money back to no avail, though it appears you did choose to refund some folks. 
No one, all caps, has received anything from you. With each passing day, our confidence fades. Please refund my money. I could not work with you as outlined in my reward, as the trust has long since been broken by you. Wear innocence in all of this. Do the right thing and make this right for all of us. Thank you. The Kickstarter for Life Goals University still exists and claims to have accepted $17,880 from 270 for donors, but King has never made money from his fundraising efforts. He always has two or three jobs, as in two or three other scammy fucking fundraisers that he's using to make money. <laughs> and, and even though this was a total sham, King continued to promote himself. This is it's gross. Promote himself as the founder of Life Goals University on the cover of his 2017 book. The power of 100. Kickstart your dreams, build momentum, and discover unlimited possibility by Sean King. At the bottom it says, founder of Life Goals University. They have a very strong program in mustache thinning. It is one of the (laughs) greatest programs. It's called the Gomez Adams School of Mustaches. (laughs) It's one of the most (laughs) reputable programs in the country. Need a chin strap? Come on down to Life Goals University. The Life Goals University grift, however, pales in comparison to the one he was accused of shortly after. We're going to take a quick break for my voice to recover and for you to hear from our sponsors. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.
this is where it gets a little rough, folks. In 2014, I think we remember, I think we all remember, a 12-year-old black child named Tamir Rice was murdered by a white police officer named Timothy Lohman in Cleveland. It was and still is a tragedy. And of course, Tamir's family was devastated. Sean King took to social media, as he always does, to raise awareness of police brutality in America and began crowdfunding for the Rice family. It's very nice of him, right? In early December, Timothy Kucharski, one of the attorneys representing the Rice family, was alerted about a crowdfunding website called youcaring.com. Hmm. The website had raised approximately $27,000, and Kucharski contacted law enforcement, and King, one of the fund's primary organizers, to seize the money for Tamir Rice's family. It appears the family hadn't previously been made aware of the crowdfunding for them. Hmm. Kucharski and David Malik, the other attorney representing the Rice family, ended up seizing $60,000 from the crowdfunding site by order of the court. However, the money didn't go directly to the Rice family. Rather, a judge ruled that the money would be placed into Tamir Rice's estate, and any withdrawal would require a judge's ruling. You know what that means, folks? Legal fees for the family. And they racked up to over $23,000, leaving them with around $26,000 in Tamir Rice's estate. Because of the red tape around the funds, the Rice family couldn't use the money funded in their name as they wished. According to Goldie Taylor's reporting from the Daily Beast, quote, when Tamir's mother could no longer emotionally deal with living in the home where she once resided with her son, she wanted to move. However, the court would not allow money to be allocated for living expenses. The Rice family could not access the money directly and were homeless for a time due to legal complications with how the funds were solicited and the specific purpose for which the funds were raised. Yeah, I'm just going to say, man, you know, raising money off a dead child's name and then not even alerting anybody. Like an attorney has to come find that money. I mean, this is bottom of the barrel, scum of the earth. And it's also taking advantage of like traumatized black people and like, you know, like good natured white people that are trying to like do something to take advantage yeah. of that. It's, it's just it's just the lowest of the low. Like a, a reasonable person that was donating to this would never expect this much shit that's involved with it. But a person responsible for fundraising in a position of status must be responsible and must know. Samaria has since called King an untrustworthy imposter and a quote, a white man acting black and a clout and an ambulance chaser and posted on social media saying this, quote, I never gave you permission to raise nothing. Along with the United States, you robbed me for the death of my son. 
King, in his defense, said he was trying to give her space by not informing her of his fundraising efforts on her behalf. <laughs> yeah, just like he gave everybody else a little bit of space with that 160k that he made off with. Yeah. I didn't want to bother you. Yeah. Again, just because your brand is one that jumps into the fray doesn't mean that you should. And often, you could probably create more harm than good, which is exactly what happened here. He also talked about conversations he subsequently had with Samaria in an episode of his podcast, The Breakdown. That's since been removed, of course, from the website, but the podcast episode page had previously said this, quote, it was a much-needed conversation. I learned a lot, listened a lot, shared my heart, and pledged we would continue to fight to get justice and accountability for Tamir. See, this is, this is and we were talking about this before the show, Justin, this is where he kind of takes ownership of stuff, right? He kind of is like, oh, this didn't work out. Like, I, I am humbled by this experience, but my man, it, it's not okay that you're humbled. The, hum, the harm and you being humbled do not offset each other. Yeah, it's the crackhead that keeps telling you they know they messed up. And you just keep giving them the $20 and they keep telling you they messed up again. It's like oh, <laughs> eventually, man. yeah, the accountability is not, is, it's not genuine. Right. And then also he's like, oh, I'm going to continue for Tamir. And that's probably not what, you know, Samaria asked him to do. Right. Well, Samaria called the conversation a cop a donut conversation <laughs> and tagged him on social media saying this. Well, first of all, if anyone, <laughs> if anyone, Fucking describes a conversation I have with them as cop a donut conversation. I'm, I'm going I'm to quit everything. That's it. I'm just going to go away forever. But she said this on social media. Why do you think it is so important to tell folks we had a conversation? We talked and everything that was said was very toxic and uncomfortable for me to hear that you raised additional money and then say you did not want to bother me. Personally, I don't know how you sleep at night. Yeah. See? She she really meant go away. I don't know how you sleep at night. Yeah, and he uses he uses that conversation as a way to legitimize himself in the same way someone like Steven Seagal would, right? You know, it's like the context of the conversation is leave me alone, stop it. You you're a terrible person. And the Steven Seagal response was, I've been hanging out with Samaria Rice as a way to further Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And again, here, like it's it's we don't have receipts on, on if he took the money for himself or if he's financially enriched himself. But the thing here that he does gain by centering all of these fundraising efforts around himself is social capital, right? Like Dr. Umar literally just took people's money, like me last season when I gave him fifty dollars to 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 build the school and join his WhatsApp group that he never included me in. Dr. Umar, I'm still waiting. So, but like Sean King, in this very insidious way, is able to actually create value and wealth for himself through social capital, right? Through being the center of all of these things. So he doesn't need to necessarily raise the money to enrich himself directly. So Sean King is a household name now, and it's leading to these book deals and speaking engagements. But a year after the Rice fundraising incident, he's hired as the senior justice writer at the New York Daily News in 2015. What more of a platform of social capital can you get than becoming the fucking, not the, not even the junior justice, not even the associate justice writer. Yeah. The senior justice writer. Do you know who's a justice writer? Ellie Mistal. 
Harvard graduate. Okay, Harvard Law graduate. Like, like it's like unreal. This is not right. No, uh, yeah, it's all it's all about Twitter followers. It, it what it's really showing too is how people are just looking at how many followers you have and like you're getting these positions and no one's even looking into any of it. Don't look at my Twitter followers, everyone. All right, everyone. Now that we kind of talked a lot about the history and kind of the the rise of Sean King here, next week we're going to come back and start going through the slow unraveling. And I tell you. As we even started recording this episode, we had more projects come in that we are now adding to this series. So stay tuned for next week. Fraudsters is a production of Zero Cool Media and The Last Podcast Network. Hazel Bryan, uh, Hazel May, produced this episode. Ian Brannon is our editor. Our associate producer is Anna Laranaga. Emily Fusco is our researcher. Our legal intern is Greg Fingerhut. Our theme music is by Simon Tafik. And some music in this episode was composed by Chris Olson. Big thanks to all the people that have continuously been bringing up these fraudulent scams from Sean Kang. And we really appreciate all the journalists that have been doing the work here today. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix.